Well, let's just pray. Let's get into a word. Let's see what God wants to do today in Jesus' name. Father, we just ask that you would have your way. Thank you for all those that are in the hearing, but we thank you for all those, Father, wherever they may be, that are, are today just resting in you. Father, we pray that you would have your way through your Holy Spirit today, that the word would be alive, God, that it would be challenging, Father, that it would cut through bone and marrow like a double-edged sword, Father, that you would leave an imprint on us that would leave us changed forevermore. So we do thank you for this time together. We do thank you for this time together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen, 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 amen. Tap somebody next to you and say you're a very good-looking person. Tap the person on the other side and say, you not so much. <laughs> Whoever got the first tap, you're very lucky. <laughs> uh, I've been really pondering over the weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and we've been chatting here uh, about that God now calls us his friends. You know, it's really clear in John that he sees us obeying him. And because we obey him, he says, I no longer call you slaves, I no longer call you servants, I no longer call you doulos, I now call you friends. And so I've been thinking about that and thinking about my childhood and growing up and what it was like with my friends, you know, particularly through primary school and the early secondary years living at home in West Footscray. And there was a group of us and we did everything together. There was myself, there was Ali. E-L-I-E, -E, now called Lee for short. There was Phil. They were cousins. Uh, we lived within... Phil and I were like seven houses apart. Lee lived probably two blocks down that you could walk through these little courts. And then poor old Frank, he lived on the other side of the main, like six-lane main road. You know, there was a walk bridge that went over, but you didn't take the walk bridge. You just dodged between the cars and it was more fun on your bike, yeah? That's what you did. You were kids, and you never held the handlebars, you just rode the bike, you know, steered with your knees. Anyone did that growing up? And I'm just, I was just pondering how we used to spend all this time together as friends, and I used to get in trouble from my mum and dad all the time, because I was never home. I was always with them, and I was generally always, all of us were generally always over Phil's place. We just liked being at Phil's house. It smelt different. I don't know if it was the Lebanese cooking compared to the Italian I've no idea. We just liked being at Phil's house. Even his cousin Lee, two blocks down, we would go to his place, but it wasn't the same. The, the food that was available in Phil's fridge was better than the food available in my fridge, Frank's fridge, or Lee's fridge. Though, though Lee, Ali's mum did make a really nice um, uh, Lebanese yogurt, almost like a tzatziki. She, she made that excellently. But Phil's mum... She just rocked with the Lebanese food. There's a dish called kebaneh, and what that is is raw meat. Some of you are thinking, raw meat? It doesn't taste raw. It's almost cured to a degree, but there's lots of you know, cracked wheat and all sorts of stuff mixed through it, and then you just eat it with homemade yogurt with some olive oil and some Lebanese flat bread, and you just dig that. You just dig right in, and you throw it in your gob, and you munch away. It's awesome. Some of you are thinking, raw meat, that's disgusting. I'm telling you, it rocked. Now, what you need to know is we loved it so much, I tried to make it at home. I tried to get the ingredients and the recipe off Phil. 
I should have spoken to his mum. So I got all the ingredients with my mum and tried to make it at home and then I tried to eat it. It was like eating a raw hamburger. Yeah, so we ended up cooking that batch. That was terrible. But we just loved spending time in Phil's place. We loved it, loved it, loved it. And I was forever, like I said, forever getting in trouble because I wasn't home. I was always there, just always there. If mum was looking for me, she would just send dad up the road and knocking on the door and I would be at Phil's place. That's where I would be. We would play there for hours. I mean, he even had a better gaming console than I did. I had something called Intellivision. He had what was called the ColecoVision, which the graphics were better and the controllers were easier to use, you know? And they were in the days before World of Warcraft or, you know, COD and all the games that are out there now. It, even in the days before Mario. Some of you are thinking, what's Mario? Oh, just a gaming revolution in that name alone. And it just got me thinking that if you and I are now called friends of God, Jesus' friends, yeah, then within us, this is, here's my suggestion for today, then within us, we should have this same desire to spend more time in our friend's home than our own. Nothing wrong with ours, nothing wrong with mine. I loved where I grew up. I just loved spending time at Phil's place. We all did. And so I just want to put this out there that I think if we are now Jesus' friend, then inside us should be a desire to spend time in his house, probably more than our own. You know, the food is better, the smell, the aroma, the gaming console just all seem to be better. And I know that my experience is probably not the same uh, as all of you, but I'm, I'm asking you just to let me lead and guide you here just a little bit today, if I could, you know? Because let's face it, we've all had, most of us, general, sweeping generalisation, most of us have had friends growing up. And I understand life can be tough for some, but the majority of people have friends growing up, yeah? And we love spending time with those friends. And we were upset... When we couldn't, I see it in my kids, you know. And quite often we love being in their place. And so as I'm pondering all that, God starts to unpack stuff. So I believe that the psalmist had a, a similar experience. You know, there must have been a reason that the psalmist wrote in Psalm 84.10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. There must have been a reason that he wrote that. There must have been. Better is one day in your courts and a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house, in the house of my God, than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day in your courts. You know what he's saying? He's saying, it's better for me to spend one day in Phil's front yard than to be anywhere else. It's just better if I could spend time in his front yard, if I can just lay on his grass, if I could just eat his food, you know, play his game in console, if I can just spend one day. It's better just to hang out on your lawn for a day than to spend a thousand days somewhere or anywhere else. I mean, in fact, he's saying, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at Phil's house. I would rather stand at the door and allow people in and out than be anywhere else. 
than to live anywhere else, than to go anywhere else, than to be in anyone else's home. Better. It's better. So here's a question. Could our friend's house, in this case Jesus, could our friend's house really be so much better than ours that we want to spend every waking moment there? What do we do with that scripture, with that passage, with that experience? There has to be wisdom in what the psalmist writes. There has to be some insight into the statements made. And I want to suggest that there's something, there has to be something good in that revelation for us to learn if we can discover it. Yeah? There has to be something good in there for us to discover. So as Father God starts unpacking this stuff, he starts guiding me to a couple of different passages and scriptures. And the next one he takes me to, really, which is where I want to hang around today, is Psalm 27. What an awesome psalm. The whole psalm's magnificent, yeah? Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, verse 4, the thing I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me when when the trouble comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy and singing and praising the Lord with music. Verse 7, hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. Verse 8, my heart has heard you say, come And talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. What a wow scripture. Seriously, what a wow scripture. Here David wants just one thing. Well, you've got to think about it. Just one thing. Imagine if you uttered the words, Hey, Father God, there is just one thing I want. Think about what your answer would be. I reckon I would lean onto the selfish something for me type of answer. But maybe that's just me. I know that's none of you, yeah? I'm the only one that's carnal at times. Oh, Lord, just one thing. That Ferrari that drove past. (laughs) It's a huge statement that he makes. And, And there are a couple of things that are all happening at the same time. Because in verse 8, he says, David says, I can hear Papa calling out to him. I can hear him calling me to come and talk. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Now, I know that Father God wants to talk to his friends. Yeah? He had a friendship with Adam in the garden. He walked and talked with Adam in the cool of the day. You can be a parent and have sons and daughters and never, ever speak to them. Yeah? But when you're intentional on wanting to build a friendship with them, to go deeper with them, you have to speak to them. You have to. Yeah? 
And so, Father God, yes, we're his sons because of what he's done on the cross and sending Jesus to die. But he then says, I don't no longer call you slaves and servants. You know, I now call you friends. I now call you closer. And in this son, David goes, I hear you calling to me to come and talk. Because David was a friend, yeah? And so as his friends, he calls us. But, and there's something that David understands as God's friend that you and I have to grab hold of, that we have to understand that I'm going to suggest that we have to get this lodged deep within our spirit because it will change our life. Here's some questions that I'm going to suggest some sweeping generalizations for, which I can do because I have the mic. Is that okay? Now, what happens in life generally, yeah, when we go through tough stuff? Just, just think about it. When life throws you a curveball, what happens when trial and tribulations come your way? What do we do, yeah, in relation to Father God and His church when life gets hard? I'll share what I've experienced as a pastor. I'll share what I've experienced as a youth and a young adults minister. I'll share what I've experienced as a chaplain at the university. I'll, I'll share my experiences. Is that okay? When that stuff starts to happen, when life gets hard, Here's my sweeping generalization, my sweeping thought. People pull away from God and the house of God. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Now, some of you might be saying, but that's not me. But I guarantee you, if you stop and think and ponder for a minute, you've got people in your own family that you can say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're, yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, yes, you're right. When life gets tough, when life gets busy, when we're going through stuff, we pull away from God and God's family and God's house. When life starts to press our buttons, we, we start to choose when we'll go into the temple. We start to choose when we'll go to church. We start to choose who we're going to hang out with and when. I've seen it time and again. I've witnessed it. People, as they travel through really difficult times, pull away from God and his family. They don't even share anymore. They, they keep their issues to themselves. They clam up. The thought of being open and transparent, vulnerable, as we should be as a family, church family, is a great theology. But when it comes to our stuff, I'm just going to track this to, out alone. I'm not going to share my deal. I've been with people and they, I, I hear it and I hear them with me. So what's going on with you? Tell me. You're struggling at the moment and they're there for you. But when it comes to them, they take a couple of steps back, yeah? But the psalmist knows something we don't. Why did David, King David who wrote the psalm, why did he utter these words in verse 4? The only thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why did he speak those words? So he just wanted to be in God's house. 
And when you think about David, Saul was hunting him down. There were armies trying to kill him. Yeah, He feared for his life daily. Over and over, he had reason to question his own existence. Yet the greatest thing that David desired was to be in the house of God. The father's house. The thing he longed for most was to be in Papa's house. Was to be in Phil's house where the food was better. We had a better gaming console where the aroma was just different, yeah? Here's the answer, I think. This is what I want to share today. Here's why David wanted to be in the father's house. Verse 5 reads this. For he will, not maybe, not he might, not he can, because he's God, he will conceal me there when trouble comes. The Hebrew word there for conceal, for, for conceal also means to treasure up. God treasures us so much when we're in his house, yeah, that he conceals us, hides us from the trouble that comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary, yeah. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Man, that's pretty exciting for me. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. And in sanctuary I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. If we go to the house of the Lord, he will conceal us. Conceal us from what? All our troubles. See, while we're in the sanctuary, he, Father God, Papa, Messiah, King, he will hide us in the sanctuary while we're in the sanctuary. He cries out to us to come because his desire is to be a good, good father. Yeah, His desire is to be good to his children. And so he cries out to us to come and to walk and to talk with him. He does that, one, because we're now his friends. He does that because he wants to spend time with us. But he does that so he can do what only a good, good father can do. He wants to bring us in so close that he can protect us, that he can conceal us from everything in life that's coming against us. You know, last night I took the boys to the white night thingy in Ballarat and it was awesome. There was way too many people. <laughs> way. I felt sorry for every mother and father and grandparent that were trying to push a pram. Like, that was a great idea. Babao. <laughs> like, stay on the outs- outskirts. Don't come in the middle. You know? That was wild. There was so- thousands upon thousands of people. Just 40,000, they reckon. There you go. So many people. And I found that as we started to press into the crowds a bit, both boys were holding my hands. They started, first it was Nathan, and then eventually it was Samuel. But both of them started to hold my hands where we were in the throng of a crowd. And Samuel, especially every once in a while, would, would just squeeze. It was like he was checking that there was still my hand and he would give it a squeeze. I let go a couple of times and put my arm on his shoulder and just walked with him like that. And it was like, no, nah, I, I want your hand you know 
And I remember saying to them both in that time, it's okay, I, I, I won't lose you, yeah? I won't lose you, I just won't. I know parents do all the time. And, I've, and, I, and I, I, I have a history, you know, where it's happened before. But regardless of what I experience, I'm not going to change my theology, I won't lose you, Yeah? Then when we're walking back to the car, we were parked behind the community centre, East Community Centre there on um, Dana Street. And uh, you can take one of the side streets, and seriously, the trees are so big, you don't see any lights. It was pitch black. It was so dark. And I start walking, so I turn into this street. Nathan's walking in front of me on his own at this point. And Nathan goes, I'm not going down there. He just keeps walking straight. I go, why not? He goes, no way, anybody can get us down there, right, like flat out. And I go, so you want to walk through that small laneway between the community? He goes, yep, because there's some lights there. I'm thinking if anyone's going to get us, they're going to get us over there, not here. But I said to him, I go, Nathan, no one will get you while you're with me. I will protect you. Look at me. If someone comes, I only have to turn and go, and they're going to run. They're going to, they're going to fear for their life. Oh, my goodness. There's that super strong, intelligent pastor. Run. I can hear them crying it now. <laughs> but I said to them both, you're safe with me. I will protect you. I will conceal you from any trouble that comes. And I can say this because of my awesome size, stand behind me. I will hide you from the trouble that comes. It won't even see you. God is teaching me more and more through my children than ever before. Little comments and statements and journey. Yeah? Nothing will get you when you're with me. Nothing can even come close. For he will conceal me when they're when, when trouble comes, he will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. That's Papa's heart, isn't it? This is what he does. He's a good, good father. He will conceal us. He will hide us. He will place me out of reach of the trouble. You know, that's exciting because for us, this should be a game changer. You think about it. When we have anxiety, what should we do? Is it all right if I just talk for a minute? If we've got anxiety and stress, what should we do? We should be running to his house. If, if we're suffering with depression, what should we do? We should be running to his house. If we've got a problem with, with doubt or anger or jealousy, what should we do? We should be running to his house. If we have an addiction be it alcohol or drugs or pornography or gossip, any of those things that, that, that just mess up our life, yeah? what should we do? We should be running into the house of God because it's in that place that he conceals us from the troubles that are coming against us. Yeah, He conceals us. He hides us from those things. 
Some of you may even be able to testify there are days that you've not wanted to go to church for whatever reason, whatever, whatever bout of negativity is running through your head and you've come anyway and you've pressed in and you've worshipped and you've said hello to people and you've walked out and you've thought, wow, what a great morning, what a great evening, what a great encounter and moment with God. So he calls out to us to come. It's not us begging him. Father God, the good, good Father, calls out to us. He made it possible by sending Jesus on the cross. So you and I, regardless of our troubles, regardless of our tribulations, regardless of what we go through, we are always good enough for him. Hear me. Someone needs to hear this. We are always good enough for him. Yeah, He never disowns us. Never. He never is not proud of us. He is always proud of us. You and I may stumble and fall, but he's always close enough just to reach out like he did Peter and pick him up, yeah? So you and I, we are his friends. And there's nothing, nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of the Father. Nothing. You know, you think about it. Nothing. Split it in two. There is no Thing that can separate us from him we just need to be with him and go to him when he calls that's why Romans 8 says I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love neither death nor life neither angels or de- demons neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love no power in the sky above or in the earth below indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is one of the most significant, oh my God, Zilla statements that you will ever hear. No thing, nothing can separate us from his love. So when you're struggling, run to his house. Get to his home. When life is too much, run. One of my favourite TV shows is The Flash. For any of you that have ever watched it, in the first two seasons, there's a phrase that gets repeated right through the series, yeah? And it's this, speaking to Barry Allen, who is the original Flash, for anybody that likes the comic book stuff, and they just say this all the time, when trouble comes, they go, run, Barry, run. Like, and, and it's just one of those moments that when it happens, you go, yes, you know? Yes! Run, Barry, what? Run, Barry, run. Yes! When stuff's coming against you, when you're struggling, run, run, run into the house of God. Don't remove yourself. Don't pull yourself away. You're never that busy that you can't get to the house of God. You're never in so much trouble that you can't be there. You're never not good enough because of what you've done that he doesn't want you here. Run, run, Barry, run. He was a superhero. Do you know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You know, as far as the world are concerned, those that are unchurched, unsaved, that don't know Jesus, we are, in him, superheroes. Because the things that come against us don't have to overwhelm us or overcome us. Because in his house, in his sanctuary, he conceals us and he hides us from all of life's troubles. He keeps us from everything that can separate us. 
He'll conceal us and hide us from anxiety and the addictions. He'll hide you from gambling. He'll hide you from drugs. He'll hide you from pornography. I'm telling you, if you struggle with those things, get into his house. Because when you're in his house, you won't gamble. When you're in your house, you won't, you won't be flicking through different pornographic sites. When you're in his house, you won't be drinking. When you're in his house, you won't be popping a pill. When you're in his house, you won't be yelling and screaming because you're angry. The temptation of those things never goes away. It's always there. But because we place ourselves into his house, oh, it's really cool. They don't come... They, they can't get to us. They just can't. It says that he places us on a high rock where we look down at our enemies and we go, nah, 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 nah. That's what the scripture's saying, Andrew Battistella translation, yeah? So why, 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 why do we pull ourselves away from family, pull ourselves away from church? There's something powerful about being in his house with other believers. There's something powerful about being in his house with other believers. There is something powerful about being in his house with other believers. There's something powerful that we experience with Father God in a corporate atmosphere that we don't and won't experience when we are alone. That is different, yeah? King David was God's friend, yeah? God's friend. His friendship was built when he was slaying bears and killing lions and tending sheep. His relationship was built when he was alone. And in that relationship, he says, oh, the one thing, the one thing I want the one, the person who has a heart after God's own heart, the person who's his friend, the person who built a relationship where no one else was around, the one thing I want is to spend a lifetime in his house, a lifetime in his sanctuary. Better one day there, better a doorkeeper there than anywhere else. He knew something. He was unlocking a secret for us. You know, it's interesting that we live in a time where regular church attendance in the States, in the US, they say is a person, a regular church attender is someone who goes to church once every four weeks. That is a regular church attender. Australia now is catching up. It's close to, they say, that a regular church attender is someone who goes to church once every three weeks. So not weekly and, and certainly not two services in a day. Now, I don't believe that it's a coincidence that at this time in our history, there is more mental illness and more addiction than any other time. We have never faced so much mental illness. We have never faced so many people with different addictions as we do today. And yet, the regularity of going to his house is diminishing. Maybe that's not a coincidence. And you can sit there and say, well, that's just you, Pastor, because you want us in your house. Because if we're in the house of God, then we're going to give to God. Well, that's, that's probably true too. You know, hey, we've got to pay the bills, but that's not why we want you here. We want you here because God wants to conceal you from all your troubles. So that when you have a friend out there that's going through the same troubles, you can share what you did to overcome it. How'd you overcome that? I'm struggling with pornography. How did you overcome Because I remember you used to show me that stuff. How did you overcome that? I went to God's house. 
What do you mean you went to God's house? I went to God's house. I hung out with these people and I went to God's house and I was never put myself in a... And all of a sudden, the stuff was still there. I could still get it on the internet. I could still buy the magazines, but I just never wanted to do it. How did you overcome alcohol, your addiction to alcohol? How did you do that? I just went to God's house. I hung out with God's people. I'm not going to drink in church. And I found that the more that I did that, he just set me up on a high rock. And I looked down at my temptation and go, no, 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 no. It's not a coincidence that we dedicated baby Caleb this morning. Liam and Natalie just this morning committed in front of us all that they would raise Caleb in the things of God and that includes a love for his house. It's not a coincidence because deep down they know that if Caleb has a love for his house, when troubles and tribulations come, Father God will conceal him and hide him and keep him away from all of those things. It's not a coincidence that we dedicate our children And why wouldn't they want to raise Caleb with a love for Papa's house so that he's free from those trials and those tribulations? That he learns that when curveballs come, he can retreat to God's house. God will hide him and conceal him. You know, the one thing I know from what I experienced growing up is I just wanted to be in Phil's house. Phil was the only one in the house with a normal name. He had one brother that was called Lamartin, another brother that was called Fadi, F-A-D-Y, and his sister was Lamia. He was the only one, you know. It was interesting going to his house just to be able to repeat those names, you know. (laughs) We just wanted to hang out in his home, and as Jesus' friends, our desire should be in his home. And now I believe we know why. You know, we often pray a prayer in Matthew, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And often we think about on earth as it is in heaven as signs and miracles and wonders, you know. But let's be honest, when we think about on earth as it is in heaven, though we default to thinking of the miraculous, yeah, let me ask you this, is there anxiety in heaven? Is there depression in heaven, bipolar in heaven? Is there addiction to alcohol or drugs in heaven? Is there addiction to pornography in heaven? Is there jealousy or strife or anger in heaven? And the list goes on and on. There's probably stuff that I'm missing. Is there gluttony in heaven? Is there that addiction to the gym in heaven? No, that's right. Of course not. Far out. That's my argument, by the way, from now on. Um, There's none of those things in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. So we are supposed to and have the ability to, because of whose we are and who we are in him, to live a life that is free from all of those things here on earth. Doesn't mean that they're not around us, but you and I, as children, as friends of God, living within the Godhead, ambassadors, yeah? We live by the laws of heaven. Where we go, we only submit to the laws of heaven. Yeah? We don't have to submit to what's happening around us if we truly find ourselves in God's house. There's no fear in heaven. So when you're fearful, run to his house. Yeah? If we're to be honest, you and I, all of us here, if we were to take off our masks and become a little transparent, 
Here's another generalisation, and again, it just might be only for me. I think it's safe to say that most of us have a trouble or two in life that we experience, yeah? And stuff that we struggle with from time to time, if we're to be honest. But those experiences, those troubles that we experience, the struggles that we have, we, we don't have to struggle with those things. The temptation can come, but we don't have to be overcome. We are the conquerors, yeah? More than overcomers. There's a great old song, a hymn, by Helen Lemel. Everyone will know this. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim, yeah? Only when you're in his house. Only when you're in his house. And now... Why don't we stand, because I, I, I want to just finish with this closing statement. Because I want to challenge us to live in the space. When we go out into the community, people go, there's something about you, yeah? Psalm 122, I understand now what David, what David meant, because Psalm 122 says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now I know why. He had so much stuff coming against him. So many people trying to kill him, yeah? They were after him. So many things to be worried about. And we know from his life that he didn't do things perfectly, but it's not about that. It's about the stuff that comes against him. He had so much stuff happening against him, and yet when he writes Psalm 122, he says, I rejoiced when they said, let's go to the house of God. I rejoiced because he knew he would be free from the troubles for that time because Father God would conceal him. Father God would hide him. And so today I want to pray for people. See, we owe, owe it to the world around us and we owe the world around us an encounter with a living God, with a powerful God. We owe the world around us, a picture, a snapshot of heaven. But how will they see him or meet him when we're suffering like everybody else? When the stuff that we are going through, they're going through, what they're being overcome by, we're being overcome by. Because we've missed this wonderful truth that God's just laid in his pages. Come to me and I'll conceal you and I will hide you and I will sit you up on a high rock above all of your troubles. You know, a Christian life where the things of this world are louder than the one who lives in us is not an example of a Christian life at all. So where's Ollie? I need the keys, Ollie. It gives the words more meaning when you play music behind there. But just for a moment, wherever you are, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I just want you to picture your own life. Not mine, not the person next to you, beside you, behind you, in front of you. Not their life, your life. And I want you just to think for a moment, the troubles, the tribulations, the stuff that you have in your life, the curveballs, that life throws at you, the addiction that you're struggling with, the emotion that's overwhelming, 
the stuff that ravages your minds. Because today I want to pray for all those that are going through stuff. I want to pray for all those who can't seem to get away from their troubles. I want to pray for all of us who know there are things that Daddy, that Father God, would love to conceal us from and hide us from and sit up, sit us up on a high rock away from. See, it's time to let go and it's time to let God hide you. So that when we read scriptures like in Psalm 100, where we enter, where we enter, where we enter, where we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we, and, and we enter his courts with praise, we'll know why we're thanking him. We'll know why we're praising him. He's called out to you, to each and every one of you. He's called out to me as individuals and he calls us to come and to walk and talk with him because we're his friends and in that place he keeps us safe. But some of us haven't been living in that safe place. Some of us have been overcome where we should be overcoming. Some of us have removed ourselves instead of pressing in with all that we are. Yeah? So I'm going to pray a prayer. But then I'm also going to open the altar for anyone that wants to come and get prayer. Because it's time for us to live that overcoming life. It's time for us to be the head and not the tail. It's time for us to be more than conquerors, children of the living God, sons and daughters, seated in heavenly places, heirs and co-heirs with Him, totally loved by the Father, always good enough because of Him. So, Father, right now, right through the house, Lord, you know every heart. God, you know every thought. Father, in fact, you know every emotion right now. But, Lord, we lay the stuff at your feet. We place the trials and the tribulations at your feet. God, the, 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 the thoughts that torment us, God, the negativity that, that overcomes us, Father, we place all of that at your feet. And we say, Lord Jesus, take it away. Father God, hide us. Father God, conceal us. Father God, sit us up on a high rock away from our troubles. Father, right now, you take everything, God. Everything that everyone has brought before you right now, you take it. Take the anxiety, God. Take the fear. Lord, take, take the gluttony, God. Take the addiction, Father, to pornography, Father. Take the alcohol addiction and the drug addiction, God. Take the gossip away, Father. Take the anger and the jealousy, the doubt, Father. Take it away right now. Lord, remove all fear and conceal us from those things. Hide us from those things. And Lord, today again, we pray that you would stir up our first love that you would set the fire burning again, that we would have a love for the house and your children and your family, that we would run into your arms when we sense stuff coming against us. Father, that we may praise and glorify you, 
that we may, like the psalmist, cry out this one thing I desire is to spend my life in your house. Better is one day just in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Lord God, better just to be a doorman in your house than to live anywhere else. Father, allow us to know the reality and truth of that, that we would come with thanksgiving and come with praise, that people would discover Jesus through us. Then when we reach out, they will see that we truly are an embodiment of you, living with a peace that doesn't make sense, that guards our heart and guards our mind. And so we bless you and we bless you and we thank you and we thank you. Just now, wherever you are, just thank God. Thank God for the things that you gave to him. Just thank him. Whisper it, yell it, cry it, whatever it is that you do. Just thank him. Because he wants to conceal you from the stuff that you're giving him. He wants to hide you from the troubles that have been chasing you. (laughs) Father, we glorify you because you are worthy to be glorified. And so in this place, we give you glory and honour. You are seated above all. You are our King and our God. You are our salvation and our Saviour. You are the first and the last. You are the beginning and the end. You are the Rose of Sharon. You are the bright and morning star. Lord, you are our life and our breath. You are the one that we glorify. You are the one that saved us. And so we say thank you and amen and amen and amen and amen. And all these people in the house said, Amen. Have a wonderful day. Press into his house. Get away from the stuff that's chasing you. He wants to hide and conceal you. Yeah, he wants to sit you above all of that. Don't move away from the things of God. Don't move away from his house. But run to him. Run, Barry, run. Run to him.